0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation. Podcast series is dedicated to lesser known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only. You're giving me a weird look over there. No, kind I of like had a-
1: something on my lip. So okay. I started going like that, but yeah.
0: Because you got your mouth all to the side like you're popped by the Sailor Man. No,
1: I had some. I felt like I had a, like a... I almost thought it was a cold sore, but it wasn't. It was just something on my lip. My goodness.
0: You and your herpes. Tammy Underwood. <laughs> say hi, Tammy. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
1: make me say anything.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Anyways, so hi, our, everybody. This is our Couples, our Two for Tuesday. Our Two
1: for Tuesday. Our Twisted Tuesday. Our, um... Oh, I don't know. What else can we call it? Call it something else. I have to write part two on something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to write part two. I forgot to do it the other day on our last episode. So. Ah, it's all good. Got it now. Head. So anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, this is our two for Tuesday. And literally, this the people in this... Episode The guy's names are. I have to scroll down. Oh, it's two dudes. Okay, yeah, it's two dudes. Um, it is uh Lawrence Sigmund Bittaker, and uh, oh, I gotta put that over there, but and Roy Lewis Norris. Okay,
0: is he related to Chuck?
1: No, I don't think so. Ba-ba. No, um, anyways. Let me get into my introduction for you because it's really you're going to like it. I mentioned one of your very favorite people in this episode. Cool. You probably know who it is. Um, Southern California. <laughs> now you know for sure. Huh? <laughs>
0: Like, you meant a real favorite person of yeah, mine. Yeah, a real Is,
1: favorite person of yours. I mentioned him actually twice in two different scenarios, but you, yeah.
0: You're going to talk about my friend Pat?
1: I'm going to talk about your friend Pat for a split second. Sweet. Yeah. So, Southern California seems to have everything, right? They have the temperature climate for agriculture. They have the mountains and desert for hikers. They got they Mexicans
0: for slave labor.
1: Be- <laughs> Wait a minute. They have beaches for surfers <laughs> and sunbathers. Farms and Citrus groves for migrant farm workers. (laughs) Ta-da. And they're also in close proximity to Tijuana, Tecate, and Mexicali for the tourists. Right? You did say Mexican. And
0: the Coyotes. And the Coyotes. Shut up. I freaking
1: hate you. Now, Now, not.
0: You okay over there?
1: Yeah, but what I just said made no I mean what I wrote over there. I'm reading what I wrote because it doesn't make any sense right here. Oh not to mention that's what I was trying to say. Hollywood seems to devour those who seek it, you know, Southern California, while the money of those who have found it leaves its stench along Rodeo Drive. That's what I wrote.
0: Down Rodeo Drive.
1: Rodeo Drive. Yeah, I wrote, I meant, what I wrote was not to how, (laughs) not to mention. Um, However, there is another more sinister side that is even, that is never spoken about in the guidebooks or brochures. Similar to every other area in the world, whenever you can find affluence, one can find crime, right?
0: And drugs. That too. Lots of fucking drugs in LA, man.
1: There are drugs. (laughs) That flow both ways across the border.
0: Boy, ain't that the truth.
1: Prostitutes that work the streets in the vicinity of both Disney and Universal. Because you know
0: know what goes good with Mickey Mouse? A hooker. (laughs) Minnie? She can dress up like Minnie, but in the end, (laughs) she's just fucking goofy.
1: Okay. Um... (laughs) I just got that first. No, it <laughs> took a second. You know sometimes it takes I a second that would to run. I time
0: bomb with yeah. you. Yeah,
1: you do that cuz you know when I'm working on something you'll say it and it's like, "Wait, a minute." Um, however, um, there are runaways hiding deep in the alleyways and crash pads across the area, places such as the notorious Cecil Hotel, aka Hotel Hell.
0: I seriously want us to go and spend one night there.
1: You just don't even know. There's a lot of places I want to go spend a night at, and that is one of them. And we can actually do it without having to get permission. Yeah, noted. Yeah, noted. (laughs) Side note. Aside from all this, one can also find the predators that roam the areas. Southern California has long since been known as Psycho Central. It has literally earned this reputation the hard way. Um, Let's be honest. It has earned... It has produced a full 10% of the known serial killers of the world between 1950 to 2000. Literally, that's a real statistic.
0: No, and, and I can kind of explain why. You, if you think of the topography of oh, the L.A. Basin.
1: I, I, yeah, I get into that here in oh, a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I'll get into it. If I miss something, let me know.
0: Sorry, I thought I was being all smart there for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were,
1: but I did some statistics. <laughs> Sorry. As one can imagine, the majority of them are now killer celebrities. They all have nicknames that seem to be tailor-made to print in the tabloids or aired on television. You all right there? Okay. Their names such as the Night Stalker, the Hillside Strangler, the I-5 Killer. Some of them we have done. Like, well, we haven't got, we haven't done the Sunset Slayers yet. The Southside Slayer. We did him. Remember? We did two of him, actually. We did the Sunset Killers. We have not. We've researched them. We have not presented them. That was the couple that, uh, that. We researched them in the beginning, remember? And we never presented them. That was one of the couples that we were going to do. Look it up. We haven't done oh, them yet.
0: For some reason. My no, I when we first talked
1: doing... about this, we were going to do them, remember? And then we thought maybe they were too, too popular because they were on talk shows. Sally, Jesse and shit back in the 80s.
0: We're talking. Uh, make sure we're talking about the same ones. We're talking about the ones where, like, yeah, uh, yeah, the guy she, and the girl, and, and and she put he put the her yeah that yeah, yeah. head in the freezer yeah, yeah, and then yeah, dressed yeah. it up in and, and makeup and yeah, like, we didn't present that
1: one yet. Oh, I think we should because it was only popular in the eighties. Yeah, okay, So, go, go for I mean, it. people nowadays probably wouldn't have heard, you know. And then they, we have some that we have not presented yet. We, I mean, because these are ones like I said, we won't present. We won't present Night Stalker, Hillside Strangler. Or the I-5 killer. Um, And we already did the Sunset Slayer. And, I mean, Southside Slayer. But, you know, then there's the Skid Row Slasher, the Koreatown Slasher, the Candlelight Killer, the Orange Coast Killer, and Scott's people, the Freeway Killer, and the... Say it with me. The trash, trash bag, bag killer. killer
0: <laughs> which I prefer to just call him Pat.
1: I was gonna say Scott's favorite, the trash bag killer well, in my it's, notes. It's because
0: Pat and I have been
1: right, talking have back been. and
0: forth. And yeah. I've said it a million times while wow, and I have to reiterate this because so I don't get tons of hate mail. Um, while I don't condone correct his you know him killing people, he's 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 a person and I actually he is. Like he him. Is a person. I like him as a person. Correct. Because at least to me, right. he's been nothing but cordial, very nice, Correct. very polite. Um,
1: and you have told him that you don't condone what he did.
0: Right. Oh, 100%. It's not like
1: you're dishonest about that with him. Yeah. You've told him straight up, I don't condone what you did. Yeah. But.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm getting to know him as a person. Right. And, uh, you know, I like Pat a lot. I'm just.
1: Exactly. Exactly. to put that out
0: there. That's why I don't call him like the trash bag killer or yeah. anything. <laughs> right saying just say it no
1: no i get it and keep
0: talking i gotta look for allergy pills because i forgot to take them this morning that's why i keep on coughing and i'm gonna
1: die oh okay so some of these we will never feature for obvious reasons some we have already featured and the rest we will feature however that's not why we're here today although there are no formal studies to explain the disproportionate population of serial killers from the rate that rain in the region excuse me I've, I've spilled rain for some reason. Um, that was odd. Um, of Southern California. However, there's one obvious variable to the entire equation population. Uh, uh, throughout history, hunters have always migrated to where game inhabits. Let's be honest the Southern California region of the United States in recent history has had an abundance of prey for the serial killer.
0: And you have to think about the, I was bringing this up, the topography right, of, right, right. Of, of the L.A. Basin. It's very spread out. Right. So it's got I, a huge population, but it's got a very interesting topography. I was
1: going to say, i talk about that next. Oh. <laughs> At the turn of the century, the most recent one, the sprawling area from approximately Santa Barbara down to the Baja coast has equaled approximately 20 million in population that are accounted for. However, that doesn't account for those that live off the record or the falling runaways, illegal immigrants, homeless, fugitives, and those who have chosen to live off the grid or are falling through the cracks. Wait a minute. Even among the 20 million inhabitants that can be accounted for, there are still the targets of opportunity that a predator can find an abundance of. Hitchhikers, (laughs) prostitutes, fringe residents, unattended children, and the forgotten elderly. Many of these individuals will not be easily missed. Other than the few that may be reported missing, nobody really cares if their bodies turn up in a shallow grave, dumpster, or highway canyon, right? Um, Let's face it, California region practically invented what can be known as the automobile cult. You know, the large population with the low density. And there's a little known fact that when it comes to, let's say, bank robbery, for example, the teeming highway system in L.A. has made it the capital, the global capital bank robbery, because of all the highways. Um, One particular predator, this is a side note, by the name of Mac Ray Edwards, and I'm actually going to research him to see if he, you know, How he fits into this, because I've never heard of him. He aided in the construction of the California Highway Freeways. Um, While accomplishing this, between the years of 1953 and 1969, he slaughtered children. Yeah. After killing the children, he would place their bodies in soil overnight. And the next morning while at work, he would just pave over the new soil with asphalt. Um, Edwards wound up hanging himself while he was awaiting execution on death row. And by the time he was dead, the next generation was cruising up and down the completed freeways. The names associated with the nightmares that the new generation had, and some we've already featured, were, and some were not, we won't. Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buono, the Hillside Stranglers. Randy Kraft. Sound familiar, Scott?
0: Yeah, I won't ever feature Kraft again.
1: No, but that's, then yeah, William Bonin and Vernon Butts. Also, his other accomplices, Gregory Miley, James Monroe, Mm -hmm. um, Harvey Glattman, we haven't featured him yet, the Manson family, Thor Christensen, who I'm going to look into, Ferdinand Dakota, and what's his name?
0: My buddy, Pat.
1: He was listed, too. Of course. Yeah. However...
0: Pat's pretty famous.
1: Back in the 70s, he was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, through the 80s. He killed through the 80s.
1: Oh, I thought it was in the 70s. I'm
0: pretty sure it was through the 80s. Mm. Unless I'm...
1: I think you're mistaken. No, I don't.
0: Maybe. I you could
1: be right. I don't know. I thought it was in the 70s. Where's
0: my phone? Let's go talk to Google while you're Yeah, talking.
1: you do that. However, I've left two names off that list. Uh, that's because until today, they were probably in the all but forgotten category of individuals. Those that might be, remember their names are those who were between 12 and 29 in, the, in 1980. However, those that will remember their names are the victims' families and some police officers, especially from the Hermosa and Redondo Beach areas. Um, these two, these, the two most evil men never had a nickname until later, um... Well, after they were arrested.
0: You were right, by the way. 77 is when he quit killing.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was the 70s. As soon as
0: I thought it was the 80s. No, I think
1: Randy Craft went through the 80s, I think, is where uh, you get it from. I think
0: you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think him, Vaughn,
1: Yeah. Oh, that could be. It was him, too.
0: Yeah. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because they went well past. Um. Not to mention the area reporters hadn't even learned these guys existed. And most local. Uh, I don't even know what I got that from. I may, I'm like wrote something here. I wrote it up last night and honestly, I had a little bit to drink. So it makes sense now. Alcoholic. <laughs> that. Shut up. Uh, okay. So a lot of area reporters didn't even know who they were until they were arrested. Okay. Um, however, one of these evil dynamic duo chose his own nickname. Especially since he signed every piece of jailhouse fan mail as Pliers Bittaker.
0: Oh, wow.
1: That's because...
0: He used pliers? That's my assumption? Um,
1: That kind of, but they, him and Norris earned the nickname the Toolbox Killers because of the supplies they used to torture their victims. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty gross. They could have qualified for a Fetish Friday, by the way. Now... Let me introduce you to them. The early life of Bideker. Uh, oh, and this is a two-parter, by the way, because it was a huge, I mean, it's like 45 pages of my typing. So um, I have it marked off where I'm going to end it. Um, fuck, where did I go? Oh, Lawrence Bitteker. Pensil, Pittsburgh, Pens- Pennsylvania, September 27th, 1940, uh, was the place and day that Lawrence Sigmund Bideker was born. His birth parents, however, had long since, even before he was conceived, decided they never wanted to have children. So when his mother gave birth to him to this unwanted child, she chose to place him in an orphanage immediately. Okay, kudos to her. Yeah. Okay. Better we discussed this already. With better
0: than him. hating your kid and beating the fuck out of no him. No shit, time, so. yo.
1: So, Mister, M- I mean, we won't mention any names like fucking um, Josh. Joshua, oh, my God, I know his name. It's in my head. Phillips. Remember how his dad beat him from the oh, time he was born, that's practically? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mr. and Mrs. George Bittaker adopted little Lawrence when he was still an infant. So he okay. wasn't in the orphanage very long. I'm assuming the family was rather well off financially since George, w- George was actually employed in the aviation industry. Um, his employment would require the family to move around the United States rather frequently during Bitteker's childhood. Now, the first time Bitteker ever got arrested, he was 12. And it was for shoplifting. He, this was the beginning of his minor criminal career that lasted for around four years. Um, during that time, he received more arrests for the same charge. When he was arrested for petty theft, he managed to be put on the radar of the juvenile authorities then. Um, In later years, Bitterkirk claimed his multiple theft charges when he was a minor was his feeble attempt to overcome the lack of love he felt from his adoptive parents. Lame. Yeah. It doesn't indicate whether he had any brothers and sisters I was trying to find that out, but I could have been wrong. Um, but, damn it, why can't I find what I'm looking for ever? And why do you keep fucking with my microphone, Scott? I mean, honestly. get a better yeah. signal. So, a better keep signal. talking. I'm going to go pee. Okay, you do that. <laughs> You're... A... I think our fans should know that I pee. I, uh, I, I know people need to know that, Scott. Um, anyways, dang it, I just fucking, I hit the alt tab on my thing and now I can't find what I'm looking. Okay, there we go. Um, anyways, the first time Bittaker ever got arrested, he was 12 years old and it was for shop. Oh, I already said that. Even with a reported IQ of 138, Bittaker always found school to be nothing but tedious But then I can understand that because I kind of did too. That's why he chose to drop out in 1957. The Bitteker family was living in California by this time. And not even a full year passed uh, after he dropped out of school before he was arrested for stealing a car. Um, Hit and run and evading the authorities. As a result of those crimes, he was sentenced to spend time at the California Youth Authority. Um, Bittaker was in prison there until he turned eighteen. Okay. By the time, why are you showing me your bare ass belly? I don't need to see that. Oh my God! Don't. Well, do I it. was
0: just adjusting my shirt, but now that you mentioned it, I was going to say,
1: please don't do what I thought you were going to do next. Exactly that. Don't do that. Get in my belly. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> That's so gross. Continue by the to- time, by the time Bittaker was released from the youth of facility, he found out actually that his adopted parents disowned him and they moved out of the state. Didn't tell him where they were going. He never saw them again.
0: See, they said adios, bitch, munch, Yeah, they did. Nachos. They
1: said adios, bitch, bitaker and got the <laughs> fuck out. <laughs> so on February 5th, now let's introduce Roy Norris. Um, on February 5th, 1948, he was born in Greeley, Colorado. Since he was conceived out of wedlock, his parents chose to do what most around that time did, it's what my grandparents did. They, the two of them chose to get married in an effort to avoid any social stigma attached to having the illegitimate child. Are you okay? You keep dropping shit. Dropping shit, coughing, fucking doing shit. I'm over here dying. Um, no, you're over there checking emails. And...
0: No, I'm over here checking my blood sugar. Thank you very much. It's a medical condition called diabetes.
1: I'll let it go this time. Feel, feel
0: bad about yourself now? A
1: little bit. There's only, there's only one cure. No, it's not that.
0: Love it from your mom. No,
1: I don't want to know what it is. Oh, yeah, you do. Anyways, one of Norris's grandfathers had a significant real estate investments. So all of his extended family lived within a short distance of each other. You know what I mean? It's like almost they had walking distance between, Uh you know. Um, His family was not as well off as Bedekers. However, his father was a, because his father was a scrapyard employee and his mother was nothing more than a drug addicted housewife. Literally, that's, I mean, literally, that was the best description I could find of her in the reports, and I think it was on Wikipedia.
0: You've had to deal with children? <laughs> Fucking, you're raising more than one. <laughs> I don't blame her. I'd be like, honey, I'm right. home. Mm-hmm. Here's a little bit of heroin and a bottle of tequila. <laughs> Dealt with these little mongrels all day. Side
1: note, I never did heroin, but tequila, my <laughs> drug of choice right there.
0: <laughs> a little tequila for me, a little bit of Benadryl for Jake. <laughs>
1: You know what's really weird is I never used that. Um, You missed out. I know, right? I never did any of that shit to my child. (laughs) You fucking horrible parent, you.
0: No, ingenious.
1: (laughs) Even though he lived with his parents periodically during his childhood and early adolescence, as a result of his mother's condition, let's say, he was often placed in the care of several foster families around the state of Colorado. Uh, According to Norris's account of his childhood, his memories consist of many things. First, he claims that the accusations placed against his biological parents were false. He says they never treated him badly. Okay. However, he claims that while he was in the care of the various foster families, he was neglected and neglected to the point of being denied adequate food and clothing.
0: I can kind of believe that. I can believe it, too, because in,
1: yeah, in the early times, that's, foster care was horrible.
0: Foster care sucks now.
1: Mm, true. Uh, Norris also claims that while he was in the care of a Hispanic family, he was the victim of sexual abuse. He later stated that his prejudice towards the Hispanic community stemmed from the abuse and neglect that he endured as a child when he was placed in this family. No, care.
0: he had neighbors like mine.
1: That could be it, too. <laughs> Just saying um, Norris was living with his parents when he was 16 years old. On one occasion, he went to visit one of his female relatives who was in her 20s. And she claims he began to talk to her in a way that was very sexually suggestive in nature and inappropriate.
0: That's what you say about me all the time when I'm just even talking about the weather. You give me a look when I say that it's moist outside or that the highway's really wet. Then you go, oh, my God, why is everything sexual? I'm not. I'm just talking. It's just You're raining disgusting. and it's moist. But
1: usually it is followed after you say other things that I will not mention on the air ever again <sighs> because they're in my boundaries box. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I didn't say it all. I didn't say that what I'm putting in the boundaries box.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got my headphones ready, man.
1: <laughs> I know, dude. Like my mother's name in association with yours. Um,
0: and her last name being Alexander. But continue. That
1: is not what I was going to say. Um. <laughs> anyway, she demanded that he leave the house, and she called his father. Well, his father threatened to beat him, and that's when he chose to steal his father's car
0: <laughs> because that solves the problem. He, <laughs> he said,
1: "Adios, bitch notches." He took the car and drove it to the Rocky Mountains. Once he was there, he tried to commit suicide in a painful way. Reports indicate that he tried to inject pure air into one of the arteries in his arm. Damn, you go, boy. Yeah, obviously he was unsuccessful. And the authorities later picked him up as a runaway and returned him to his parents. Um, Almost as soon as he got back home, his parents dropped a bomb on him. They told him that he, as well as his younger sister, were both children they never wanted. They also told him that as soon as his sister reached her teen years, her adolescence, they were getting a divorce. It's like, yeah, we're done. God
0: damn. I know,
1: right? Kind so of we, a
0: dick move from his folks. I know, man. right?
1: Knowing that he tried to commit suicide already.
0: Yeah, no shit. Fuck. You
1: know, in, in a painful way. Um, within one year of receiving this information, Norris dropped out of school in order to join the Navy. Now, in Because 1960- he
0: wanted to go down with the themen? In-
1: in 19- he wasn't gay. You never know. In 1965, while in the Navy, he was stationed in San Diego. In 19, 19- the end of the 1960s.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in
1: 1969, maybe? I You know, as soon as I wrote it, I knew I wouldn't want to say it. <laughs> his unit was deployed to serve in the Vietnam War. Even with the deployment, Norris never saw active combat as part of his four-month deployment. He then received an honorable discharge after just one tour of duty. Okay. Um, then they both have their first offenses. Okay. Had only, Bitteker had only been on parole for a matter of days after getting out of the authority, uh, the, being released from the California Youth Authority before he was arrested again. This time he was caught in the p- process of taking a stolen vehicle across state lines. He went on trial for the charge in August of 1959 <laughs> and ended up with an 18 month sentence.
0: 10 morning gets 69. Shut
1: up. <laughs> Since this was a federal charge, he was to serve his sentence in the Oklahoma State Reformatory. He later received a transfer to the medical center used for federal inmates located in Springfield, Missouri. And that was where he served out the rest of his sentence. Okay? He was released from federal prison in 1960, but it didn't take long for him to return to his life of crime. A few short months later, he's arrested again. This time, it was for robbery in Los Angeles. In May of 61, he received a 15-year prison sentence for his charge. And during this incarceration, he was seen by a psychiatrist and diagnosed with being quote-unquote highly manipulative. The same psychiatrist also quoted, quoted, described him as having, and I'll quote this again, having considerable concealed hostility, which I could imagine if my adopted parents just up and went adios bitch nachos and didn't tell me where the fuck they were going.
0: Yeah, no, I totally dig it. I mean, let's, yeah.
1: let's be honest. Um, Bitteker served two years of his sentence before he was released in 1963. Um, he was arrested and convicted of a parole violation in October of 64, like not even out very long. He went through more psych exams by two separate independent psychiatrists. Both of them concluded that he was a borderline psychopath. Um, he was highly manipulative individual, unable to acknowledge the consequences of his actions. Um, during the exams, Bittker told one of the psychiatrists that he committed his crimes because he wanted to feel important.
0: And he's honest you know about what? it. Exactly.
1: So cool. But then again, in the same breath, he insisted that there were matters in relation to his upbringing and environment, which added to his decreased ability to resist the urge to commit crimes. He didn't come out and say those exact words. You know, this is the psychiatrist talking. But yeah, still, yeah, yeah. you know. Balancing it, yeah. Um, at that point, the prison medical staff prescribed him on an antipsychotic medicine. Approximately one year later, he was released once more into an unwitting society. Once again, not even a full month went by, and Bitiker was. After he was released, when he was once again arrested in July of 1967, he was arrested and convicted of a theft charge. As well as leaving the scene of an accident. Huh, okay. okay. He received another five-year sentence, but was granted parole in 1970. So he only spent three years, basically. Uh, actually, less than three. It was less than one year later in, Octu- in March of 1941, because released in ni- April of 1970. Arrested again in March of 1941 for—71, excuse me—for burglary. This time, since he received so many parole violations— he was sentenced to serve time in prison, um, and in 19, um, in October of 71, his sentence was f- for between six months to 15 years.
0: Holy shit. Yeah, that's Chicken a widespread serious. right there. Yeah,
1: Bitteker was barely in pre- prison for three years before he was released again. After being released this time, Bitteker was out for approximately three years before he was arrested again. And this time he's arrested for assault as well as attempted murder. It seems a supermarket employee accused this man of stealing. Um, so in response to the allegations, he stabbed him. <laughs> stabbed Gary Louie. what's the guy's name?
0: Jeez. according
1: to Gary's report, the observer he observed Bittaker go to the meat case and steal a steak
0: Wait a minute. Was he in Florida? No, and he's in stuff California. Stuff down his pants yeah. and run out and starting to strip off.
1: And they just fall They're out. Just falling out. No, he was in California. Oh. <laughs> um, Gary followed Bittaker outside to the parking lot when he asked the man if he'd forgotten to pay for them. Bittaker turned around and stabbed the guy in the chest, barely missing his heart.
0: Holy shit! Yeah,
1: Bittaker then tried to leave the scene, but two additional employees had come out of the store, and they managed to detain him until the authorities arrived. Thankfully, Gary survived the attack, and after trial, Bideka was convicted of a lesser charge of assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, This time, he was sent to serve time at the California Men's Colony, located in San Luis Obispo. 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 I love that word. Not as much as Zimbabwe, but I love it. It was November 19... The end of 1960, when Uh, Norris was arrested and charged with his first known sexual offense. Um, On this occasion, he was charged with a rape and assault, which included an attempt to commit rape. Um, Later, in a different incident, he tried to force entry into a car that was being occupied by a lone woman. Um, approximately three months after that, in February of 1970, Norris again tried to convince a woman to allow him entry into her house. And the woman refused and he tried to break in forcefully. The, she immediately called the police and the authorities arrived and arrested him before he could harm her. Thank goodness. And less than three full months from his arrest, Norris was seen by military psychologists, cause he's still in the military. Um, and they diagnosed him with, quote, unquote, severe schizoid personality. As a result of this diagnosis, he received an administer. Do I hear a frog? Uh, no. Okay. I thought I heard a frog in my ear. I don't. It was We're talking weird.
0: about being schizophrenic. No, you hearing not schizophrenic. shit. This this is is fucking it was awesome. like a
1: frog, dude. Why See, would a folks? frog talk to me if I was schizophrenic?
0: See, folks, this is part of her schizophrenia. I'm she's not hearing voices and uh, and frogs. frogs are talking to her now. I didn't say
1: the frog was talking.
0: Uh huh. Sure. What did the frog say? It
1: said, Rivet, Rivet.
0: Really? And how did you interpret that? I mean, did you. In- As
1: a fucking weird noise in my ear.
0: Oh, was it telling you to do anything? Like kill the neighbors or. You. Like that? See, this is part of the <laughs> schizophrenia. The frog is actually. Actually, the frog
1: didn't tell me that. I just she's had that in my just head. She's just justifying for her days.
0: actions that she's going to murder me. And y'all heard that on air, the because she's going to blame it on the frog at her trial. Just let y'all know. I am not. The frog told me to do it. I'll make
1: it look like an accident. You know how
0: Berkowitz said it was a dog? Well, I heard a frog.
1: (laughs) There, I forgot about that. Anyways, so um, where was
0: I? Talking to frogs.
1: Oh, schizoid personality. As a result of this diagnosis, he received an administrative discharge from the Navy and they labeled the discharge under the terms psychological problems, obviously. Uh, he was out on bail for this offense in, late, in May of 1970. Uh, that's when he chose to attack a female student from the San Diego State University, whom he had been stalking for a while. Um, when he attacked her, he struck her multiple times with a rock to the back of the head when she slumped to her knees, he began beating her head against the sidewalk, as he put his knee into her lower back.
0: Jesus! Yeah, Christ, so it's like man. she fell
1: to her knees under her stomach, and it was like he was taking—he put his knee in her back and was slamming her head against concrete. Um, after a short while after the attack, he was arrested and charged with assault with a deadly weapon—the rock. As a result, he was sentenced to serve five years at the Atascadero State Hospital. Upon arriving at the facility, he was given the classification of a mentally disordered sex offender. Okay. Okay. In nineteen seventy-five, Norris was released from Atascadero State Hospital. See, he spent five years in there. Unlike Bittaker, who's getting out every five <laughs> minutes.
0: No shit, man. I mean,
1: and given five years probation. Okay, he was released from Atascadero given five years probation. It seems the doctors had declared him as an individual who was of no further danger to others. Wow.
0: We've heard that many times. I know
1: he was. Yeah. (laughs) Cole. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He wasn't even out of custody for more than three months before he struck again. This time Norris singled out a 27 year old woman who happened to be walking home after leaving a restaurant in Redonda beach. He pulled up beside her on his motorcycle and offered her a ride. She declined, so he parked his motorcycle, stood up, grabbed her scarf, twisted it tightly around her neck, and then he leaned in and informed her that he had every intention of raping her, and after saying the words, he dragged her into some nearby bushes, and she was afraid that he was going to kill her, so she didn't resist him while he raped her.
0: At least he was honest about it. Uh
1: yeah let's give him that but let's give her some credit here too yeah no totes you know because i mean honestly we have seen that that has been what saved a lot of the rape victims that you know like with Aykroyd and yeah. with bobby joe long
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know that's the comply. smartest to is
0: it's fucked up that you know i understand you don't want to get raped but you know but.
1: i would rather be raped than murdered yeah <laughs> and so my advice to all women out there is if a man is raping you don't resist him
0: and my advice, to don't everybody, shower
1: afterwards, but don't resist them because you don't want to be killed.
0: And my advice to everybody is don't do a podcast with Tammy because she'll want to murder you.
1: <laughs> Only you, Scott. Only you.
0: <laughs> oh, I feel fucking special as shit now.
1: Yeah. Even though the woman went to the authorities and reported the rape, um, they weren't able to identify a suspect at first. As luck would have it, though approximately one month after the attack, the victim saw Norris's motorcycle again. And this time she wrote down the license plate number. Oh, good call. Yeah. She immediately turned that information over to the police and they went and arrested Norris for her rape. Um, His trial was held approximately one year later and he was convicted. The court sentenced him to serve time at the, California men's colony in San Luis Obispo. <laughs> it I have was while he was that's housed these there these two guys met.
0: But go ahead. I know.
1: It was while he was housed there that he met and became friends with Bittaker.
0: Secret lovers. Just saying it could have happened. Could have happened.
1: Okay, whatever. In 1977, approximately 1 year after Norris was sent to Obispo, he and Bittaker became loosely acquainted. Shut up. According to Bittaker,
0: <laughs> Use Kegels, man. I'm sure that will help. Does it kegels. work with
1: guys, too? Tell me. Does it uh, tighten your ass muscles? I don't know. I don't do ke- ke- kegels on my butthole, so. Well, you know, don't you? No. You don't check it up the butt? Uh, no. <laughs> you will?
0: <laughs> I can tell you that your mom likes a little thumb action, though.
1: No, I was thinking something else.
0: Oh, no, John. I don't like that. My no,
1: I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking that when you meet a certain individual, but whatever. Oh, you're not
0: right. You need Jesus.
1: I know. <laughs> You're gonna. <sighs> and okay, let's see. According to Bittaker, when he first met Norris at the men's colony, his initial impression was as follows. He thought Norris was a cunning man with ties to hardened criminals, mostly associated with motorcycle games, who largely wild, dealt man. with the contraband drug trade inside the prison walls.
0: Oh, so kind of like a Hells Angel.
1: Kind of. I think he had an association with the motorcycle gang because he rode a motorcycle. Yeah, he was okay, a Vietnam sense. vet. Yeah. Makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Because a lot of motorcycle gang members are disenfranchised military. Patriots, yeah. Yeah. yeah, patriots. But um, the two men became closer acquaintances and friendly with one another. I bet they did. Shut up. When Nora sat down and taught Bidiker how to make jewelry. Is that how you make jewelry, Scott? With three fingers, huh? Oh, shit, you're so fucking gross. I hate you. To the wrist.
0: Right there. I
1: fucking hate you.
0: And then you know what you do? You go, jazz hands.
1: Ouch. <coughs> Look, I'm I'm wincing right now. <coughs> Stop pay, it. You have to
0: pay extra for that in Thailand.
1: Yeah. Norris actually claims that Bideker... Saved his life uh, when he prevented other inmates from attacking him on two separate occasions. Probably because he was a uh, convicted of rape. Oh, yeah. So that's highly frowned upon in the penitentiary.
0: You would think, yeah. Well,
1: rape is highly frowned upon. You can kill a woman, but don't rape her. And... I know, odd, but if you ha- if you touch a child in any way, you might as well just go to protective custody. That
0: part I understand. But, so, okay, yeah, go so Whoa, that's prison I a etiquette. Bit, but for I didn't you didn't rape, bro. Oh, you're fine.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> sometime in 1978, though, the two men became closer friends, and they discovered that they shared a propensity for sexual violence and misogyny. I bet North- you they
0: misogyny a lot. <laughs> I
1: knew you were going to say something like that. Norris told Bitteker that he was more turned on sexually when he saw the fright in a young woman's eyes. Didn't matter. It wasn't the sex exit itself. It was the fear that he instilled in them. Norris claimed that this desire was the main reason he had acquired such a huge record for sexual charges. After sharing this bit of information, Bitteker shared something with him, Bittaker shared something with him. I bet you he Shut did, too. Shut up,
0: Scott. <laughs> Sorry. My brains is in one spot right now. <laughs>
1: now, mind you, Bitterker has never had any prior sex charges up until this point, right? Right. He told Norris that, there, that should there be an occasion where he raped a woman, he would make sure he killed her so that there wasn't a witness to his crimes.
0: Kind of makes sense.
1: Really? No,
0: I'm not condoning it. It makes sense because... Oh. You know, <laughs> he's right. There's not a fucking.
1: Yeah, no witnesses.
0: Because Bonin said the same thing. True. You know?
1: Oh, that's true. Because after he got out that one time, he told yeah. his neighbor that.
0: Yeah, yeah. He said, you know, I'll never leave. I'll never do this again. Don't be any witnesses, yada, yada,
1: yada. Yeah, and the guys thought that he meant that he would never do it again. And <laughs> what he meant was did, like he's you know, he going to fucking just kill people's No witnesses. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Except for his. Freaking accomplices, right? Yeah, except
0: for his accomplices, like, you know, Miley, who collected the fucking IDs from his victims. Yeah. Maybe that was Butts. It was Butts. I, it was Butts? Yeah. I think you're right.
1: Yeah, because Butts is where he took uh, Monroe, remember? Yeah,
0: okay, then it was Butts. Okay, my bad.
1: Yeah. Anyway, because that was his main accomplice, was Butts.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He liked uh, the Butts on Butts.
1: He liked Butts on Butts. Mm-hmm. That's so
0: gross. <laughs> Especially after the dream I had. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. Just smeared it all they over. And
1: both... After they both gave information to each other, every time the pair were away from each other, they began... Were away... From others, they began to make plans. They regularly discussed getting out so that they could rape and murder teenage girls. The sick fantasy shared by the two men evolved from there. The plan was so elaborate that it involved them raping and murdering one girl... For each teenage year okay in other words they plan to murder a 13 year old a 14 year old
0: gotcha.
1: all the way through 19 okay this plan with this plan in mind they promised each other that once they were both released they would hook up and carry out every detail okay okay now a got out of the california men's colony and on october 15th 1978 Upon his release, he returned to LA and got a job working as a skilled machinist. Okay. In this position, he earned a paycheck, and mind you, this is 1978, of nearly $1,000 a week.
0: That's not bad for 78. Yeah, that's
1: almost $4,000. That's about $4, $4,500 a month.
0: That's good for a lot of people even today.
1: Yeah, precisely. So, despite considering himself a loner, Bittaker made several friends amongst his neighbors because he had a house. He also had a regular motel room, and I'll get into that in a minute. Okay, he quick he quickly earned a reputation for being both generous and helpful. He even donated money on several occasions to the Salvation Army. And reports even reveal there was one occasion after he got paid that he went down and purchased a significant quantity of fast food meals and wine. And after he had the food in hand, he went into downtown L.A. and passed it out to the homeless people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so some good about him. Exactly. So aside from this generosity... Bittaker also became quite popular amongst the local teenage crowd. He
0: <laughs> hey later claimed that there
1: was a reason he always had beer and marijuana stocked in the motel, his motel that room that he had in Burbank. He had a regular motel room in Burbank. He said that it was so that his place remained a popular hangout for the teenagers around the area to gather and socialize.
0: Yeah, that kind of makes sense. It goes with his plan.
1: Yeah, it's like he's making plans and he's gonna keep them. Bittaker was a free man for approximately three months before Norris was released from the men's colony on January fifteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Norris got out and moved in with his mother in Rodonda Beach. Um, he wasn't even on parole for one month before he raped a woman and left her in the desert. Uh, shortly after the rape, Norris got a job working as an electrician in the Compton area. It was while he was working there that he received a letter from Bittaker. It was late February when the two men met at a local hotel and again made plans to kidnap and rape teenage women.
0: Dear cellmate lover, I have missed secret you so Secret lovers. <laughs> I wasn't even going to see secret lovers this time here. I've missed you so long. Please meet me in Burbank at my hotel room. I have the marijuanas and the beer. <laughs> Let's rekindle our love for each other that we I found at the men's you. facility.
1: After discussing the details, Bittaker decided that if they wanted to kidnap some teenage girls, they needed a van to do it
0: duh that's it says so in, <laughs> in the, the manual in, in the manual for abduction. It says you have to have a van with no windows or at least blacked out windows, you know, and especially in the seventies, it had to be one of those really cool ass conversion vans. like maybe he had like you know like he said, he had like a bed and a disco ball and some shag carpet.
1: Give me a minute. Oh, sweet Jesus. No, seriously.
0: This is going to be awesome. Um
1: he got some money from Norris to add to the pool and he went out and bought a silver or gray light colored. <laughs> literally, there's a picture of it and it almost looks white. That is awesome. Um 1977 GMC van Dura. Okay, in <laughs> February 79. The van itself didn't have any windows on <laughs> one side, and the other side had a large sliding door. As soon as Bitteker saw the vehicle, he knew that if he or Norris could, that he or Norris could pull, and this is quoting him, pull up to a teenage girl real close and not even open the door all the way. And they named their van the Murder Mac. Good name.
0: Right? Okay. Uh, It sounds fucked up. But if you're going to, if you're planning to be a fucking serial killer.
1: Yeah, they're planning it. And uh, you know this isn't just—it's uh, not like something that they fell into. They right. planned. Right. It's to not do like
0: it. oops. Now we're serial killers. They—you have to have a cool. You should name your, your your vehicle.
1: Didn't didn't Bonnet have a name for his? No. Oh no no. I thought he did.
0: No no. Uh But yeah, call it the Murder Magnet.
1: There you go. That's a
0: killer name. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dad joke one. Um, <laughs> That's so, because
0: I gotta fucking warm up some food for us in a little yeah, bit. Yeah.
1: Because- I'm, okay. I'm gonna discuss their murders and then I am going to end it for the day. Okay. Ready? Groovy. Yeah. I even have end of part one there. <laughs> so um, we're gonna start with. Oh, I'm just gonna tell you. I'm gonna introduce a little bit here. Um, between 9- February. Through June of 1979, Bittaker and Norris were said to have picked up well over 20 female hitchhikers. Holy shit. Yeah, the two of them didn't harm any of those women. Okay, wait for it. The reason they picked up the, four, the girls was so that they could practice. Oh, okay. All 20 of the pickups were practice runs, so that they, the pair could develop their craft. They wanted to develop the best ruse or ruses they could use to lure a girl into their van without using force
0: makes sense uh you know what so far,
1: while they discussed me i'm I'm pretty impressed yeah, yeah. Then they drove around to find the best secluded location where they could take their future victims.
0: I appreciate all the research they put in, okay, future serial killers, look, man, we give you a lot of tips all the time. dude we can't stop I know you, but. Take a lesson from Norris and Bideker, oh, man.
1: You're going to take a real big lesson here in about they, two seconds. They did
0: some fucking research on this mm. shit, man. Use common sense. And remember, do not use insulin or arsenic, motherfuckers. <laughs> Basic bitches.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or morphine.
0: Yeah, or morphine. Jesus, that's yeah. another one.
1: <laughs> Sometime and <laughs> late. April, the two of them actually discovered the perfect isolated fire access road located in the San Gabriel Mountains. Oh, OK. OK. There was actually a lock gate at the entrance to this road, but that didn't matter. Bittaker broke the lock with a crowbar he had in the van and replaced it with one of his own. Eh, smart move, yeah. Yeah, he was like, you know what? How often are they out here? Yeah, Let me exactly. replace the lock with my own, you know. That way I have access to the road at all times, and nobody knows it's being accessed. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Good call, man. Good call. So, June 24th, this is their first victim. On June 24th, 1979, Bittaker and Norris chose their first victim. She was a 16-year-old by the name of Lucinda Lynn Schaefer.
0: Okay, hold on. Hold on. They're already fucking up. Because they said they were going to do a 13, 14, 15, 16. They, you it, don't start in the middle of the no, cycle. No, they said they
1: were going to do one for each year. They didn't say when they were going to, what year they were going to start sh- with.
0: You need to start. I, that's only because I believe in structure. I was going to say, your OCD
1: the- demands that they start at 13, it, huh? It
0: does. It says you start Not at fucking Not 12 and, and a half, 13. <laughs> Look here, tarts. <fuck-tards. laughs> if you're still alive, and I'll find that out part two. Look here, tarts. You don't fucking start in the middle of a goddamn cycle. You start at the fucking get
1: it. <laughs> your
0: 16 year old first victim that's some bullshit you guys can go fuck yourselves <laughs> bullshit fucking start in the middle of the side. It's, yeah be, it's
1: exact middle too because you have 13 is. 14 15 16 17
0: 18 19 <laughs> it's
1: fucking, <God> <laughs> so right in the middle it's disgusting i'm, I'm
0: over here my ocd is just fucking driving me crazy knowing that they start in the middle
1: <laughs> Right? are you gonna be all right
0: fucking center are you gonna be all right Maybe not. I might have a fucking stroke.
1: <laughs> I'll call nine one one later. It's like later. <laughs> painting the wall.
0: It's like painting the wall. When you paint the wall, you don't like look at the wall that's like over there by my couch. You go, okay, I'm gonna start dead center and put a stripe. No, no. You,
1: do. you start at the edge. You start I know. At the edge. My my yeah. ex my old my former step my stepdad my ex stepdad is my brother's dad. Does house painting, and that's yeah, where he you starts. Start, you started when you start at the top. You tape it. You yes. tape everything. You start at the top and you work your way down because paint drips. That's how the
0: fuck you yeah. do it. You don't start in the middle of the motherfucker and put, oh, put a big fucking stripe Even here. Even when
1: they're doing the ceiling, yeah. they start in the corners and yeah, yeah. That and then makes you go sense. through, you take all the tape off and you do the edging. Yeah. That's
0: how that's, that's how fucking life works. You don't start in the middle of fucking anything. <laughs> you
1: start at the goddamn beginning at yeah. the fir- at number one. You're true, true that, that. true that, oh, yo, fuckers, God. homie. That's
0: don't. Right. I am so not chilling right now, homie. <laughs> I don't feel like rolling. This is
1: ludicrous.
0: This is ludicrous. I don't feel like rolling down the road in my five with my homies.
1: <laughs> with the rag top down, so your non hair can blow.
0: <laughs> I have hair. It's just on my chin and on my back and on my chest.
1: I think you're gonna start getting your back waxed. Eventually. That that's another topic for another day. <laughs> I'm
0: waiting for it to give me a happy ending. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs>
1: After she gives you one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Uh, She was last seen alive when she left a meeting being held at a Redondo Beach Presbyterian church.
0: Oh, Um, nice little church girl. Yeah.
1: In written accounts of the incident later, Bitteker talked about the events of that day. He stated that he and Norris had just finished constructing the bed that they installed in the rear portion of the van.
0: Please tell me they had a disco ball. No, I didn't say that.
1: But my grandpa had a carpet and everything in his.
0: You have to. You have to have a shag carpet he and did. a disco ball. He
1: had a shag He had the bed. He kept the bench seat. Okay. Right. And he had a, like a shag carpet and like this bed. It was a single bed, but he had it so that because he was wood. he loved, you know, he did woodworking. So he oh, built okay. a shit ton of shit. I had a scooter before scooters were famous. Nice. Yeah. I'm just saying. And so he, he built this, like, conversion bed that would pull out and, like, legs would come down. Oh, I hit my microphone. Legs would come <laughs> down. And so it turned it into a double so him and my grandma could sleep in it without having to hook up, the, you know, having to yeah, no, get sense. into yeah. the camper every time they stopped at a rest stop.
0: Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah,
1: because him and my grandma traveled in their, you know, retirement years. So anyways, um, then they placed tools, clothes. In a cooler, they had stock full of beer and soda underneath it. At around 11 a.m. that morning, the two of them drove to the, this is quoting, to the beach area, drinking beer, smoking grass, and flirting with girls. Yeah. They had no set routine that day. That's going
0: to piss you off, too. It does? No. Because they've, they've planned, and again, here's why, here's why. They've planned everything out so well, Meticulously, so yeah. Yeah, like down, they're perfecting it. And then all of a sudden, you know what? Fuck it. We have no routine for today. We're just going to randomly pick up some.
1: <sighs> I know, right? People. Yeah, I mean, you would have think that they would have started stalking victims. Yeah. You know, but they didn't. You are like, you yeah. know. Well, it's going to weird you out later anyways. So, um, it was approximately, get this an exact time here seven forty-six p.m. according to Bitteker it's like how does he fucking know that no shit when Norris happened to catch sight of Lucinda as she was walking along a side street that's when she he apparently turned to Biddicker and said there's a cute little blonde okay
0: <sighs>
1: I know right the two of them pulled up alongside Lucinda and tried to get her To willingly enter the van.
0: If they had Wi-Fi, she would have jumped in there. They
1: first offered to give her some pot. Marijuana. She said, nah. They offered to give her a ride home. Nope. After that, they drove away. Okay? Okay. They went just a little bit further ahead and parked beside a driveway. At that point, Norris got out of the vehicle. Opened the sliding door and leaned into the van in such a way that his head and shoulders were hidden behind the door out of her view. But
0: his butt was sticking out.
1: Burning butts. No. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, shit. Anyways, when Lucinda got to a point where she was passing the van, Norris said a couple of words to her before he grabbed her and dragged her into the van, closing the door behind them. As soon as Norris and Lucinda were inside the van, Bittaker turned the radio all the way up so nobody could hear her screams. Okay. As he drove off, Norris tied her arms and legs together and covered her mouth with some duct tape. Bittaker drove out to the fire road they had chosen in the San Gabriel mountains. Even though Lucinda screamed when Norris first grabbed her, she quickly retained her self control. In Bittaker's later accounts, he wrote This, I mean, dead serious. I'm quoting here again. It's going to gross you the fuck out. He said, she displayed a magnificent state of self-control and composed acceptance of the conditions of which she had no control. She shed no tears, offered no resistance, and expressed no great concern for her safety. I guess she knew what was coming.
0: That's fucked up.
1: Isn't that fucked up?
0: It's um almost... this is why I'm confused. They're not having a routine when they, when they abducted her, but everything else seems very, let do think of a good way to put this, very analytical. Yeah. So that's, it's just, it's not, it's not clicking in my head because I don't, at least in my head, I can't do both.
1: Right. I can't
0: be very random and analytical at the same time.
1: Correct.
0: You can't. I'm, I'm usually very fucking analytical. I analyze a lot of shit. Right. You know, I'm not a very random person. Yeah. That's why chicks fucking sometimes don't like dating me for long periods. You never do nothing random. Like, we, you never just all of a sudden say sporadically, let's go to the beach. Well, because I'm fucking my brain. I just go, you know, I just don't do that.
1: So you're not impulsive.
0: No. No, no. Gotcha. Unless it's buying guitars.
1: That's that's your drug of choice.
0: That's my drug of choice. I'm a, I'm I a, have
1: seen you literally sit over there and drool as I'm presenting over a fucking guitar. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, yeah. I might as well have a fucking. Drug Usually, if you stuff. have this
1: fucking enamored look on your face when we're fucking presenting, I know it's a guitar you're looking at.
0: Half the time I'm over here masturbating looking at guitars. To be honest, I'm. Look at the gel finish on that. Oh my god.
1: Does it give you a hard on Scott? It
0: does. I get a chubby.
1: Like when you pooped the other day.
0: That was weird. I don't think that's natural to get a heart on when you're pooping.
1: See, I don't know. I know guys get it. I don't have a penis, so I don't know. But do guys get it when they have to pee?
0: No, I don't.
1: You don't ever have a morning wood when you have to pee?
0: No, it makes it hard to pee.
1: Okay, but I have heard several guys say they had a morning wood and had to pee really bad and had to, like, force Mm. the wood down to pee.
0: Hey, more power to them, not me.
1: Seriously?
0: I got good mind over matter, though. That's how I can control my pain. But you
1: don't get morning woods?
0: Oh, I do. Oh, I get up and I kind of I take get my zen going on, right? And, and then you go pee. And then I I relax and my pecker looks up at me and goes, "All right, good morning, boss. I know you got to pee. I'm going to hang out down here for a little bit till you get everything done." And then I'll say good morning again. So, Thank you very much. As, by the way, there's pancakes and eggs for you in the, in the kitchen. Got it before you, made your coffee, and you're good to go. And uh, we pee and we go to work.
1: And <laughs> don't look at the fucking stamps on my dick because I was out last
0: night. I was out last <laughs> night. By the way, your truck needs gas. <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: so fucking <laughs> And ag-
0: ignore those stains on the back, in, the, in the back seat.
1: <laughs> and on the back seat in the back end. On- <laughs> by the way, you need a bed back there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and on the roof and, the, you know, it's steering wheel. You okay over there?
1: No, that fucking gro- the steering wheel grosses <laughs> me the fuck out.
0: Because so no. you, you can see just what's the first thing you do when, when you get see into a truck.
1: Spring everywhere.
0: No, when you first get into a car, what's the first thing you do? You grab the steering wheel. Can you manage a squish. Uh, oh, what the fuck! Oh, man? dude, that
1: is gross. Thank you.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. I didn't need that one.
1: <laughs> Once they were safely hidden on the fire road, Norris raped Lucinda first. He told Bittaker, "Go take a walk for about an hour." Okay. When Bittaker got back, Norris left, and Bittaker took his turn. When Norris returned to rape Lucinda again, she asked him whether or not they planned on killing her.
0: Well, at least she asked.
1: Right. Norris replied simply, nope. And even though he told her no, she did request that they allow her time to pray before they killed her, if that was their intention. Uh, right? And so... Um. Bittercur and Norris then have separate accounts for what comes next. Um according to each of them they both argued whether they should kill Lucinda or just release her to be free. Okay? Okay. Each one stated that the other said kill her. Of course. It really doesn't matter whose decision it was to kill the girl the fact remains they did. Yeah. Um before Norris made an attempt to strangle her with his bare hands Lucinda pled with him and said only Can I please have a second to pray? They denied her request and began to choke her. Okay. He held his grip for approximately 45 seconds before he became so ill, disturbed by the look in her eyes. This is his quote, the look in her eyes that at that point he just let go and ran to the front of the van where he vomited profusely. Okay. So he didn't have it in him to kill her that time.
0: So he says. Yeah. I don't know if I can buy that.
1: Okay. Well, that's when Bideker took over. And he admits he strangled her with his bare hands. Okay. He squeezed his fingers around her neck until she fell down on the ground in convulsions. At that point, he let go with his hands, wrapped a wire coat hanger around her throat, and used vice grip pliers to tighten them. Until she stopped having convulsions.
0: Holy fuck! Yeah, that's jacked.
1: No shit, yo. When it's it even more so later, when Lucinda was dead, the two men wrapped her body in a plastic shower curtain, and then they drove to a steep canyon area where Bitiker had select that Bitteker had selected beforehand, and dumped her over the side. Norris later claims that after Bitiker tossed Lucinda over the side of the canyon, he turned to him. He turned to Norris and offered him some assurance saying quoting the animals would eat her up so there won't be won't be any evidence left okay Kinda which makes i sense. can see you but know there's still
0: going to be bone
1: well yeah this is true okay give me a minute two weeks later two weeks Scott mind you after they murdered lucinda the men struck again on July eighth, nineteen seventy nine, Bittaker and Norris came into contact with eighteen year old.
0: God damn it,
1: Andrea Joy Hall.
0: Don't care what her name is. What I care about right now, dumb. Not
1: are they, only do they, they start in the middle, they're skipping.
0: Are they? Are they still alive? I can't tell you. Look, you dumb motherfuckers. You don't skip around either. For fuck's sakes, start fuck's at the be- sakes. beginning of the. Fucking cycle and don't fucking skip around, you dumbass. I, yeah, just for skipping around, I hope you're not... I hope you died a horrible, pus-filled, anal-rape death with a dick in your ass and one down your fucking throat. Dumbass. God, I fucking hate... I just, it makes, That's like fucking... Ow! How do they even fucking keep track? That's my problem. You can't go 16, 18, you know... It, 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 fucking god damn it it's just
1: i thought i had some hand lotion in here guess some... <laughs> i guess i'll I got use my some. eye gel because my hands are really dry i got some you're a dick
0: no i really do it's uh oh, do on, you? on the other side of the bed is it really good it's the hemp stuff
1: oh i don't know if i because i might be allergic to it that's oh, all
0: that shit's fucking amazing mm.
1: Oh, like the... Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. I might not be allergic to yeah, that. Yeah,
0: I think it's all organic and natural. Yeah, why is
1: it on the other side of your bed?
0: Because where Dawn put it.
1: <laughs> oh. I see. Um, now you made me lose my thought.
0: That's not very hard.
1: Okay, anyways. Well, she was walking along Pacific Coast... The PCH. Pacific Coast Highway. Oh, I know.
0: I know where PCH is... I
1: know. I'm saying... Pacific Coast Highway, and then I'm going to say PCH from now on. Yeah,
0: right. uh, when when I was growing up, we used to race cars up and down PCH uh, through Bolsa Chica, Bolsa Chica Beach.
1: Is this what you told the cop? That the cop said something about you racing cars that one time?
0: Yeah, this you know the, the the rule of thumb was if you can outrun the cop, you got away. You got away. You're you're fine. And now now they'll fucking break out goddamn everything like helicopters and SWAT will come no get shit, you. Yo. Yeah, man. I'm very familiar with PCH.
1: All right. You're very familiar. Of course you are. So, anyways, um, she was thumbing her right. As they slowed down.
0: Thumbing her right out of here. Hold up.
1: You're hey. thumbing her right.
0: Have a show some leg, yeah. Bit right no, yeah. don't Come show on, legs, Scott. Come on, baby. You know you want you my this?
1: leg from when I fell? I it's did. Look, really hairy
0: when you sent me that picture.
1: Oh, that's her. it's. It is kind of hairy. I haven't waxed it yet. Sasquatch. I apologize. I did wax my. You got my pits done, but I didn't do my legs. That's like fantastic, I Zola. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Now you're making me self-conscious about them. <laughs> no, seriously, because I'm only allowed to wax or shave my legs and my armpits once every three months because of the little bumps I get No, it makes and they sense. can get infected yeah, no, 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 no. and so when I notice it like now I get a little <laughs> self-conscious but I try not to look at them for three months
0: okay yeah I, my
1: doctor won't let me do it
0: I feel bad I made you feel self-conscious so I will I'll give you this right here yeah I'm sorry Tammy thank and you and you know that I love you I know you do okay no I was just
1: explaining why they're hairy Oh no. It's hey. not like I like hairy legs. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
0: <laughs> I'm used to being in the forest. No.
1: I <laughs> really it's time, no, so. I'm like usually ain't I because mean, you know I I <laughs> you do were other areas. <laughs> <Adel. laughs> Shut up. I do other areas religiously and I used to do these, like I'd alternate months between my legs and my arms. Because yeah, you
0: and I have the same wax.
1: Yeah. But my doctor says no more. Uh. I mean, he actually told me not to do it anymore at all, and I'm like, I can't do that.
0: A shout-out to Michelle Grinder, by the way, who uh, yeah. is the, an anesthetician.
1: At Malva House of Hair in Bridgeport.
0: In Bridgeport here mm-hmm. in the Portland area, which is actually, that's closer to Tigard. Um, <laughs> dude, you can't ask for a better, if you're getting you anything waxed, you know, or whatever. She's
1: amazing. I,
0: she, she is. She's got a great sense of humor. Um, Very I,
1: professional. Gentle.
0: Yeah, and we're, we're this isn't even a paid plug or anything. No,
1: not at all. We'll, we'll plug her every chance we get. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, I would. But I actually drive from Vancouver, Washington, out there, and it's mm-hmm. about a half hour drive, forty five minutes.
1: I was just say I drive from Western Washington County.
0: Yeah, it's, and I it's mean, quite like, yeah. a drive. And to give you guys that aren't from this area an idea, there are waxers all over my area within totally within five minutes. Yeah, totally. And no, the only one I will ever see. Yeah, ever see. Is I was saying
1: you never got waxed before her, did you? I didn't. <coughs> no.
0: I haven't and well I have my back. Yeah. But, but uh but not my your junk. My junk. No. And I fucking love her.
1: I know, I love her too. And I found her on Groupon, actually because I had switched waxers because I had a problem with somebody. Um, I won't explain, well,
0: little. <laughs> little bit I, I
1: was going to, no, I was going to say that I had a bad experience at this point and I was, I was going to give the name of the place, but I think she's out of business now anyway, so it's not a big deal, but she, um, didn't tighten the bolt on her table. And when I went to like turn over to do my butt strip, uh-huh. I fell and hit oh. my head on the wall and she was like, Oh, I'm sorry about that. And still charged me full price holy shit what the fuck so i never went to her again
0: yeah uh i i can't say enough nice things about michelle and we'll get back to the story here because this is gonna be a two-parter anyway actually aren't we ready for the
1: almost i have two more i finished this one and then two more
0: oh okay so i'll I'll be quick with this one here Mm -hmm. but she's got a We we got this joke between us ever since i first talked to her about getting waxed oh yeah she's your She's, fucking, my, she's my dominatrix yeah she's
1: your dominatrix yeah and
0: i always send her a message because now you know with covid we have to wait outside and she meets me at the door and then walks me in right exactly I, i'm here for my torture appointment my dominatrix i'm here for <laughs> you to torture me a little bit but no it's
1: i would say that's funny because i always text her and say make it as extremely painful as possible
0: <laughs> that's awesome no she, she's she got a great sense of humor and even she's awesome what i like is i deal with people as we said before in the entertainment business
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you get a lot of fake nice
1: oh yeah totally
0: you know where it's kind of like almost that used car car salesman yeah thing. and that's not michelle yeah. michelle is just generally we have great conversations totally. about everything from like from kids to foods to um
1: health issues you... everything we talk her and i talk about everything
0: yeah i talked to her about i fucking love her i wish honestly that i can get waxed more than once a yeah
1: life. Well, and the funny thing is, is I even talked to her about how women flirt to get what we want.
0: <laughs> no, she's being freaking classic, yeah. but that's probably why she's always booked up so goddamn much. She
1: is. She's always. I mean, you have to book as soon as you wax with her, otherwise, you won't get your appointment. Oh no, I
0: know. And Except there's times when report. I've had
1: to. Yeah, when I've had to cancel her, it's like, okay, I said, okay, I have got to cancel, and she's really good about that. She especially is. now with COVID, but um, no, she's awesome. Actually, we love shouldn't her. be
0: plugging her. And let me tell you why. Nothing against you, Michelle, if you are listening. Um, because we love you. We just but, don't,
1: We want our appointments open. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, she's, yeah. She's usually good, though, about like, keeping my time slot open.
0: Yeah, she, she does that for mm-hmm. me. She's, she's just amazing. Can't say enough, totally. enough great things about her. Totally. So, Miss Michelle Grinder, We love you. I love you the most. I love you. This
1: buds for you. <laughs> I love you with
0: every bit of my uh, of my heart. You are fucking fantastic. You know,
1: and I fell in love with her when I walked in and saw the orange in her office in her little room. And that's when she shared with somebody cuz it was prior to covid. But um no, she, uh, she I saw the orange like decorations I'm like, dude, you're a woman after my own heart. Yeah. All right.
0: So, let's finish this one here yeah. up pretty quick and uh Yeah, we're almost right done.
1: done. So, um PCH. Anyways, as they slowed down the van to offer the girl a ride, another vehicle actually pulled up and did the same thing. So she accepted the ride from the other driver. That didn't stop Bittaker and Norris. They simply followed that other car at a distance. And when it pulled over and Andrea got out somewhere and rode down the beach prior to approaching her, Norris got into the back of the van in an effort to hide. So she thought only one person was there, right? So she thought Bideker was alone and they figured she'd more likely get in willingly at that point. So Bideker managed to get Andrea into the van on her own will. And after she was inside, he offered her a cold drink from the cooler he had in the back. He said, go get it. Um, Norris was hiding behind a bedspread. And when Andrea attempted to get a beverage from the cooler, he pounced.
0: All I can think of is he's standing next to the side of the van with it up like like you know, like like he shall never see me. No, right I think here, he was like, stand- hiding
1: under the bed with the bedspread pulled down because she had to reach under the bed to get the cooler and he pounced on I
0: figured it. he just dropped it and went, Surprise, I'm here. <laughs> booga 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 booga.
1: You've done that before. I've seen that in my head before. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> Unless
1: I'm like I like had a premonition, but whatever.
0: Booga booga booga. Yeah. Booga.
1: Anyway, stop it. Um, the two of them actually <laughs> fought, but Norris managed to get her subdued when he took his ar- her arm and twisted it behind her back painfully. Uh, this caused her to scream out in pain, and when she did that, he put duct tape over her mouth and tied her wrists and ankles together.
0: I just figured out a way that most women can get out from being murdered when they're in that situation. Tell me. No, like seriously. Because uh, i think thinking big circles... If you keep your sense of humor about you, and I know it's oh, going to yeah. be hard, turn around and go, spank me, please.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my Don't God. Don't show him this any is, fear. Yeah,
0: exactly. Don't show fear. Just turn around and say something weird like, oh, my God, you have to spank me now because I'm a naughty girl. Something weird. Now, you might still get raped, but.
1: Might you might not get killed. You
0: might not get fucking but get killed. But with
1: Norris, if he doesn't see the fear, he doesn't get excited.
0: Yeah, there you go. Don't yeah. show any fear.
1: I mean it's like yeah totally like be like oh you want to tie me
0: up <laughs> go, hold on hold on let me get my other arm back there like something weird like seriously <laughs> mm-hmm. be, and, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm not even making one of my jokes because huh. we see this so much that mm-hmm. that it seems like a lot of these guys rely on the fear in the fight
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know predator versus prey type of a deal right diddle-do. Bobby Joe
1: Long himself admitted that he let McVeigh go because she didn't fight him.
0: Right. And then she turned around, she was telling him about her childhood traumas mm-hmm. and, and you know, and sexual abuse exactly. and things like that. And, he's and
1: like, asked to stay with them and yeah.
0: Yeah, and he's like, Oh, hey, no, that's no. I no, can't keep you. I can't get the fuck out of here. What the Yeah. F-. He's like, the, it's pretty bad when the psycho is looking at you, going, What the
1: fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what the right. f- get the fuck out of here. At you one weirdo. point when he had her ho- captive in his in his house, he in his apartment, she said that she wanted to stay with him. And that's when he was like, No, I can't keep you. And she thought he was gonna take her to kill her, but then he let her go. Was that long? That was long with McVeigh. I listened I watched her documentary on him. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So my my brain's scattered right now. My blood sugar's doing weird shit and I don't know why. Okay, want to I'm almost crap. done.
1: Give me a minute. Ah, Stop interrupting me.
0: You're trying. Yeah. Anyway, um on hey. top of that, um anyway, go ahead.
1: I thought you were gonna say something else. Oh. Bittiger- so any who's
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm fucking with you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. For real.
1: They drove to the San Gabriel mountains, just a little past where they had taken Lucinda. And when they got there, Biddicker raped Andrea twice and Norris raped her once. While Bitteker was busy raping her for the second time, Norris swears that he saw headlights approaching. Okay. So when he said this, Bitteker placed his hand over Andrea's mouth and pulled her into some bushes nearby And Norris then took the van and drove around to see if he could find the vehicle he swore that he saw. Which would be odd coming up the fire access. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Then, sorry, I had to take to drink water. After a bit, he gave up and returned to where Bideker was waiting with Andrea. When he stopped the van, Bideker put Andrea inside, and the two of them drove to a different location, deeper in the mountains. So deep. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I stopped.
0: Did you notice it's raining outside?
1: I... Shut up. It's
0: so wet and
1: moist outside. You know, that's why... I know why people hate the word moist out, because (laughs) idiots like you say it like that.
0: I wonder if your mom's staying dry or if she's moist. What? I wonder if your mom's staying dry or or if she's moist. I
1: fucking hate you. Anyway, shouldn't have taken a bite of that. (laughs) Um... No, I lost my place again, Scott.
0: You're welcome. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, when they found a secluded spot, Bideker forced Andrea out of the van and told her to walk along the road naked. Okay. He then had her stop and forced her to perform oral sex on him. When she was done, he made her pose for several pictures, which he took with a Polaroid camera. Okay. Bideker and Norris then made her get back in the van before they drove to a third location. When they arrived there, Bitteker forced Andrea to walk up a hill located nearby while Norris took the van to a liquor store to buy some alcohol. He told Norris, go get us some liquor. Jesus Christ. Okay. When Norris got back to the location, Bitteker was alone. He did have in his possession two more pictures he had taken of Andrea. According to Norris, later, Andrea's face had an expression of, quote, sheer terror as she begged for Bittaker to save her life. Uh, spare her life, excuse me. Bitteker told Norris that he had told Andrew what he was planning on, that he was planning on killing her and asked her to give him as many reasons as she could think of why he should let her go and continue living. Okay. Uh, the, he only listened to a couple of them before he plunged an ice pick into her ear and killed her. Uh, he then turned her over and plunged the ice pick into her other ear. And at that point, he stomped down on the murder weapon while it was in her head, and the handle broke off. Bitteker then strangled her with his bare hands before he simply tossed her body over the cliff.
0: I have nothing to fucking say to that.
1: I know, right? Okay, now, next one. Oh, my God, you're going to love this. Oh, great. On September 3rd, Bitteker and Norris saw Jackie Doris Gilliam... And Jacqueline Lee Lamp. Leah, excuse me. While they were sitting at a bus stop in the area of Hermosa Beach. Apparently, the two girls had been hitchhiking along the PCH. And when Bideker and Nora spotted them. And as they sat down, then they sat down at a bus bench to rest. Okay. These two pulled up alongside the girls and offered them a ride. They accepted and readily got inside the van. And once inside, Norris offered them some marijuana, which they accepted. Okay.
0: You want the marijuana? All right.
1: Within minutes of getting in the van, Jackie and Jacqueline happened to notice that Bideka had turned off the PCH and was heading toward the San Gabriel Mountains. They began to verbally protest the change in direction, and both men offered excuses in an attempt to calm them down. Neither of them were fooled. At that point... 13-year-old, 13, this time, year old Jacqueline. Too late. I know, Too fucking
0: late. They started in the middle, and they're jumping around.
1: That's why they got caught.
0: (laughs) That's why they got caught, so they can go fuck themselves.
1: Anyways, at that point, 13-year-old Jacqueline tried to get the sliding door open. That's when Norris hit her with a bag full of lead weights on the back of the head. This succeeded in knocking her unconscious for a brief moment, which allowed him to overpower 15-year-old Jackie. Jumping around. He was in the process of tying her up and taping her mouth shut when Jacqueline began to come to, and once again, she tried to get the door open. That's when Norris grabbed her arm, twisted it behind her back so he could drag her back inside. As the two of them continued to struggle, Bideker noticed that they were in view of a lot of witnesses. <laughs> okay. That's when he stopped the van and punched Jackie in the face. He then helped Norris tie them both up before putting tape over their mouth. Then he and Norris drove the two girls into the mountains and kept them captive for almost two days.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah. The entire time, the girls were kept bound and gagged as they were sexually and physically assaulted numerous times. For those two days, both men slept in the van beside their hostages each one taking turns being the lookout. Okay, at one point, Bittaker forced Jacqueline to walk up a hill located nearby so that he could force her to pose for his sadistic Polaroids. Before he let her return to the van, Bittaker also t- had Norris take several shots of him with Jackie, and there were pictures of the two of them, both clothed and naked. Okay. During the first three times when Bittaker raped Jackie, he made a tape recording of the instance. He forced her to act like she was his cousin and told her that she was free to express the pain she was feeling as she saw fit. Reports also indicate that he tortured Jackie specifically by stabbing her breasts with multiple, multiple times using an ice pick and he used a pair of vice grip pliers to like pull on her nipples and he tore a portion of one off with them. Yeah.
0: So fucking grossed out. Like for real, this is, I got nothing. This is like toolbox killer, huh? Toy box. Toy
1: box. That's what I meant. I'm just, yeah,
0: I'm fucking so. Yeah. These are the
1: toolbox. He was the toy box. You're right. So Biddicker and Norris held Jacqueline and Jacqueline captive for these nearly two days before they murdered them. During Bittaker's trial, Norris says that he suggested they kill Jackie quickly. And his reason for that is unlike Jacqueline, she was rather cooperative during her captivity. According to him, after he made the suggestion, Bittaker looked at him and said, and I'm quoting, no, they only die once anyway. He then stabbed Jackie in both ears with the ice pick before he strangled her to death. After Jackie had been murdered by Bittaker, he forced Jacqueline to get out of the van. As soon as she got out of the sliding door of the van, he shouted, you wanted to stay a virgin, now you can die a virgin. How can she die a virgin if he raped her?
0: Yeah, that, I was just going to yeah. say that kind of makes no sense to me.
1: <clears throat> then Norris hit her over the head with a sledgehammer. Bittaker then grabbed her and strangled her until he thought she was dead. They were both shocked when she opened her eyes again. Jesus At that point, Norris repeatedly bludgeoned her with the sledgehammer um, while Bideker strangled her to death. Okay? Fuck. After both Jackie and Jacqueline were dead, Bideker and Norris took their bodies and threw them over the side of an embankment into the chaparral, which is a shrubland plant. Did you know that? No. Indigenous but... to Oregon, and southern Oregon, California, and parts of northern Mexico.
0: I know that I normally analyze this shit.
1: Can you not right now? <sighs> There's one more, but yeah.
0: I see the escalation. I'm, I'm trying to kind of.
1: Oh yeah, it's mentioned later.
0: Because I know I was joking before. I'm just I'm wrapping my head around this. The, the... The escalation is just, okay because you said that the one girl he poked the ice pick into both of her ears. Yeah, and then strangled that was the her- second
1: one. Yeah, first one he just strangled with the uh, uh, one of them tried to strangle it with his bare hands couldn't, and he grabbed well, a yeah, wire I'm, hanger and tightened it. With I'm the talking ice about the yeah. current one right here. Oh yeah,
0: um, the ice picks in the ears would have done it. Why strangle her? Strangle? Why? Why escalate yeah. it? I, I'm full of whys right now, so that's why I'm just I'm just sitting over here, kind of quiet and uh, not making my usual asshole jokes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, now the last victim abducted by Bitiker and Norris was 16 year old, so they missed 14, they missed 17, and they okay, didn't get a 19.
0: Okay, you can't even fucking count. <laughs> And my other thing, though, is why did they go?
1: They returned to a 16-year-old. No, no, no. They they, they went
0: one, one, two.
1: One.
0: One. That
1: doesn't.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm having a hard time putting it together in my head. I know that what you're saying makes sense. It really does. But the way that my brain processes things. Well, I'm
1: wondering if they did the two because they had planned on keeping them for multiple days.
0: Okay, but they could have done that with one and two. This is true. Offers too. up a different dynamic. They hadn't practiced right. picking up hitchhikers in twos. That they had said. Right. They had done them ones mm-hmm. to practice their craft. I'm just. I, it, it's a weird escalation. Something. Something's not clicking right for me right now. So just, just keep going. My okay. brain's just gonna keep fucking trying to figure this shit out.
1: Okay. The last victim abducted, like I said, was 16-year-old Shirley Lynette Can you Ledford. Can push
0: that down a little bit, your microphone? Yeah. Did I move it? Yeah, probably.
1: They picked her up on October 31st, 1979. As she was standing... This one's going to really fuck you up. As she was standing outside of a gas station trying to hitchhike home from a Halloween party. Okay. The party she attended was in the Los Angeles suburb of Sunland, Tajunga, to J- Honga, U- excuse me, thank you. I knew you'd know. Authorities have a, have widely believed that Shirley accepted Bideker's offer for the two men to give her a ride home because she recognized him. Apparently, he was a regular at the restaurant Shirley worked at as a part-time waitress. Okay. After, no, no matter the reason, Shirley did accept the ride. Once she was in the van, Norris offered her some marijuana, and she declined. Bitteker then drove to a secluded street. Once he arrived there, Norris took out a knife that he used to subdue Shirley while he tied her hands and feet and put construction tape over her mouth. Not duct tape this time, construction tape.
0: Go with the duct tape, man. It's a approved winner. I know. It fixes everything. (laughs) Duct tape's wonderful.
1: Yeah. After Norris and Shirley bound and gagged, had Shirley bound and gagged, he and Bittaker switched places. In the driver's seat, Norris drove aimlessly around for over an hour while Bittaker remained in the back with their captive. While in the back, Bittaker removed the tape from Shirley's mouth and began tormenting her. He started out by repeatedly slapping her while he mocked her. Okay, doesn't say what he said.
0: Right. right then he
1: right. began striking her with this fist while he yelled at like across her breast while he yelled at her to say something. When she began to scream, he shouted at her to scream louder. As Shirley continued screaming, Bittaker again started to strike her with his fist saying, what's the matter? Don't you like to scream? Okay. Shirley started crying and pleading with Bittaker. She kept repeating, no, don't touch me. Bittaker simply told her to scream as loud as she wanted to. And there's a reason why we know all this. At that point, he alternated between striking her in the breast with his fists and hitting her with a hammer. Okay, he also tortured her by using a pair of pliers while he raped her and sodomized her repeatedly. And None I'll of this is th- fucking making sense. Well, God and I'll damn get it. into that in a little bit. No, it's it's not fucking making sense right. because
0: God, the, the escalation is wrong. It's fucking wrong.
1: True. They kind of address that a little bit though. I mean that's tomorrow, the, I, next that's, week's that's, episode. I'm having
0: such a hard time with this episode because the escal- everything about this is fucking wrong. Right. This uh,
1: No, I agree with you.
0: I'm trying to sit over here and keep now, my big mouth shut. But this is it's it's bothering me. This everything is wrong. Well,
1: the reason why we know exactly what he said to her is because he recorded the whole ordeal on tape and which are filled with Shirley begging for him to stop assaulting her and screaming, Oh no, no. in the, And in the background, there are sounds of Bittaker taking a, either the pliers or a sledgehammer out of the toolbox. And Norris testified later that all he heard were screams, constant screams. That's his quote. As they emanated from the back of the van while he drove. After driving around for approximately one hour, Norris and Bideker switched places. Then Norris turned the tape recorder on in an effort to memorialize his time with her. As soon as the tape was running, Norris can be heard shouting, go ahead and scream or I'll make you scream. After he said that, Shirley can be heard saying, I'll scream if you stop hitting me. Okay?
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Yeah. Um... At that point, she let go of a couple of high-pitched screams as Norris kept encouraging her to keep going. Then he demanded that she stop. After that interaction, Norris reached into the toolbox and grabbed the sledgehammer. When Shirley saw what he was getting, she screamed, Oh, no. He took the hammer and hit her on her left elbow.
0: Jesus fucking Christ. Right.
1: On the tape, you can hear her tell him that he had broken it before she can be heard pleading, don't hit me again. Responding to her pleas, he again raised the the sledgehammer high and surely can be heard screaming no over and over again. He then brought it swinging down, striking the same elbow Mm. a total of 25 times in a row before he began to shout, what are you sniveling about? And all Shirley could be do was scream and cry. After keeping Shirley captive for around two hours, Norris killed her himself by strangling her death with a wire hanger, and he tightened the hanger around her throat using the pair of pliers. Stop
0: right there. I didn't hear a whole lot of raping going on.
1: They didn't... Well, they talked about what's-his-name sodomizing her. Okay. With the pliers and shit, remember?
0: But part of the... Fucking process. Right. Is this other motherfucker. Well, no, her. his
1: process is more the fear than it is the rape. But in
0: everything else. He's raped. Yes. This this
1: I know. I didn't hear any rape and her with Th- her. This either. Does, it doesn't. Yeah. No,
0: I'm, I'm sorry for our listeners. I have no horrible, horrible, horrible OCD, horrible OCD. And this is this is fucking triggering me because nothing <laughs> about this. Fucking makes sense. Or I knew you it, were gonna
1: hate it, this it, one. It, it may
0: okay. It, it makes sense on a on a psycho level, but it makes no. It, it, the, the whole thing's fucking wrong. Yeah, it's it makes no sense wrong. on a
1: fucking like a. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's. Uh, With the psychology level, it doesn't make any because sense because they they,
0: they, they they did so much fucking research to to, to perfect mm-hmm. their. Thing, and now they're doing they
1: planned out every detail years in advance
0: and they're doing everything out of order and then they, they do one, one, two, one, and then the one guy's not raping this victim right here which hey, kudos but it's, it's, it's still not it's, it's not right it's not, don't let me laugh
1: at it <laughs> I'm just laughing at the way you're jazz hands in it over there it's, God, it's,
0: this episode is going to piss me off more than Hormolka. Which is a goddamn shocker.
1: And we'll wait until next episode, but I mean, next Fuck. week with them. But, anyways, so he did <coughs> strangle her, okay? <clears throat> However, uh, like I said, he used the pliers to tighten it. Then, reports indicate that Shirley didn't react much to being strangled. However, Norris and Bidiker say that when she died, her eyes were wide open.
0: She didn't react react a lot because we've been over this before. It's, it's called, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to slow my fucking speech because I'm so. Are
1: you trying not to yell? <sighs> Behavioral conditioning.
0: No, it's because she's at the point of exquisite pain. Oh, yeah. They've done beat her in the same elbow over 20 times. 25 times,
1: times yeah.
0: She's been sodomized. She's been victimized. She's had pliers used on her nipples. She's been slugged in the tits. She's. Yeah. Uh, her, her brain just shut down. Uh huh. You know, she's at that point to where uh, her, her brain's protecting her mm-hmm. and shut her down. That's, that's what I feel is going on right there.
1: I believe I'm just, you're I'm right.
0: Trying to lower my heart rate because I'm so fucking <laughs> irritated right now.
1: You need a joint. <laughs>
0: I'm just breathing, breathing, Breathe breathing
1: in, out. Now check this out.
0: Zen. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm learning.
1: Remember it's Halloween. Uh huh. Okay. When Shirley was dead, Bittaker suggested that they just leave her body on the lawn of a random house so that they could see the reaction of the press later. Mind you, they've dumped the other Four victims.
0: Off of cliffs. Off and of in,
1: cliffs in the middle of nowhere.
0: Yeah, and gullies and shit like that. Right.
1: Now, the two <sighs> men drove around and at complete random chose a house in the Sunland area. When they drove up to the house, Norris got out and threw Shirley's body in a bed of ivy on the front lawn of this location. Somebody jogging by the house the following morning. Your
0: face more towards here because. Oh. Your, your levels
1: went. Sorry You're down. I kind of like lowered my voice a little too. Somebody jogging by the house the following morning discovered Shirley's body just laying in the yard. The autopsy report that show, showed that she had been sexually violated and her cause of death was strangulation, obviously. However, the report later revealed she had also sustained blunt force trauma to the area of her face, head, breasts and left elbow her left old crannin, i'll get into that in a minute contain multiple fractures i don't know the olecranon. I'm, I'm gonna tell you here in a sec that's the thick large curved bony part in the forearm that sticks out across from your elbow pit so an old is this joint right here oh. your little knobby knob okay okay yeah I never knew that.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I learned something. I
1: just, I only put that in here because I thought it was educational. Yeah,
0: I learned something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Shirley's genitals and rectum were both torn. However, the tearing wasn't the result of rape trauma. Apparently, Bittaker at some point put the pliers inside her body and used them to assault her. And I'll explain how late in next week's episode. There was also a puncture wound on her left hand, and one of the fingers on her right hand was slashed open. Jesus fuck. Yeah. Later in court, when the prosecution played the tape, the two men had recorded of the obvious torture and abuse that Shirley had endured. Bittaker offered up his take on it, and I'll explain, you know... I'll get into a lot more later, but he said that everyone interprets as a, what everyone interprets as an assault and torture was simply a threesome. He, as a matter of fact, he didn't understand why he was charged for her murder since anyone could plainly hear Shirley screaming for Bitaker Norris to kill her at the end of the tape. They were simply doing what the woman wanted them to do. That's the end of part one.
0: Thank fucking
1: God. Oh, but there's way more. Like, way more.
0: On next week's episode, Scott's going to have tequila.
1: <laughs> right there. Maybe some there. And Yeah. But, yeah. Isn't this... I mean, I knew this one was going to piss you off.
0: Everything about this, since yeah. we got to about the middle point or so, has pissed me the fuck off.
1: Yeah, from the time he started, they started killing. Yeah. Yeah
0: just pissed me the fuck off yeah and you know what the fucked up thing is i'm pretty sure they got the death penalty and even though they've got all the evidence there they're gonna get that appeal or they at least got that appeal like you can't really kill them let's look at this case again type of I, bullshit well,
1: well, I've, well i've said it over and over again and a lot of people don't realize that as soon as you get the death penalty an appeal is submitted
0: it's on your behalf you know what should happen as soon as you get that death penalty in their case when you got all that evidence? They you shouldn't even leave the fucking court. Uh yeah, I know. They should have First done of all, it there. should
1: take them less than four point five minutes to convict you exactly. and B less than three months to kill you.
0: I don't think with these guys here and, and it, it's the level of torture that bothers It's not right. even the killing.
1: Right, if, exactly. If they had
0: just We've killed these about women, that. yeah, I would have said, Yeah, hey, that's fucked up, you know, they dumped their bodies. But the level of torture
1: it rivals Bonin's and Kraft's.
0: I would venture to say that Kraft and Bonin both, they look like angels.
1: Compared to these compared guys? Compared to yeah. these two well, it gets, pieces of human garbage. There gets more detail next episode about the sod- You know, the use of tools on the women.
0: I honestly think that because of the level of torture, and especially I'm saying it was simply a threesome and hey, we were just trying to do I know, what she right? wanted. That statement alone,
1: it's disgusting.
0: They should have just put them in front of the bench, in front of the judge. The bailiff should have taken out a gun and just shot him in the fucking head. Done,
1: right there in the courtroom.
0: Right there in the courtroom.
1: As soon as the fucking jury said guilty, boom, done. Done. Yeah,
0: I think the, ju- Whoops, the there it is. I think the <laughs> jury in my head, in cases like that, should just literally not even leave. Just look over and go, "Hey guys, you thinks- heard
1: that tape, right?
0: You, you, we all saw that motherfucking shit, right?" Okay, and we saw all the polaroids. We saw the tape. Raise your hands if he's guilty. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. All right, 12 of your peers say that you're guilty. Yeah. And
1: the four alternates.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the four alter- We We all say you're guilty. Hey, Bailiff, what do you think? Yeah, you saw that shit too, right? Guilty as a motherfucker judge. Yeah, he's fucking guilty. Okay, no problem. Boom, dead. And I think yeah. that whole process should take under five minutes. Wow. Yeah. That whole process. Totally. I think they can beat that uh, Dyer. What's her name?
1: Dyer, yes.
0: I think they can beat that 4.5. <laughs> I think they can do that whole process.
1: Amelia Dyer, yeah, she did in 4. three minutes 5 or five minutes, three point <laughs> five minutes. I mean, four point five minutes. Guilty, three months executed. But I think, then, as soon as she was found guilty and given the death penalty, isn't he here? Or are you just looking outside at the? Right?
0: That's just the Mexicans.
1: Oh. Anyways, as soon as she was found guilty and given the death penalty, she, like, ceased to exist, remember? Because there was a subpoena for her to testify. Yeah. And they were like, nope, she can't. She's, like, no longer part of this earth.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think that they should have executed them. Had, had Everything should have been done in the courtroom in that case right there and in cases like that in under five minutes.
1: So should, they should have just, like, this secluded area in the courtroom already set up with mm-hmm. a soundproof, like, Oh, no, off. I
0: don't want soundproof.
1: No, not soundproof, but like sealed off so there's not a whole lot of mess. Yeah, exactly. You know, so blood doesn't get all over people. Exactly. <laughs>
0: no, Exactly. Because you know what?
1: We should actually maybe lobby Congress for that. <laughs> and, and here's why.
0: You're literally watching the trophy tapes oh, yeah. and looking at the Polaroids of what these people did. Well, it wasn't so-
1: videotape. It was audio tape. So it was all video- audio. That's I, all they heard. Oh, was audio. They, no, it was paper. audio tapes, and then it was the Polaroid. They had the Polaroid pictures. Remember, this was early eighties. They had
0: video cameras back then.
1: Yeah, but not readily available to Be everybody. Big old fucking like uh,
0: they VHS were like tape. big old
1: freaking like TV crew yeah, maybe, cameras. Maybe maybe had one of
0: those. But um, yeah, I, I in a case like that, because of the level of torture, mm-hmm. the fact of that. This had all been planned out. So you got the premeditation, you got the special circumstances. Right. Um
1: You do have the special circumstances. Why yeah.
0: waste all that money mm-hmm. to go appeal? Right. Why? It makes no fucking sense. None. Lead him over to the special room. I don't even say a special room. You throw down a couple of tarps and you the bail. Like
1: some drop down so it doesn't splatter. Yeah. Splatter.
0: And then he looks you know, it's not even, a, hey, what do you want for your last meal? The bailiff just looks over at dude, you're fucked.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you know, maybe they should have like this fucking a roll thing that just slides underneath their feet to fucking pull the tarp and they drop down. Yeah, we can come up with a mechanism. Yeah, exactly. You know?
0: And the judge. <laughs> so they don't at even know it's
1: fucking coming.
0: Yeah, judge can look at his watch, go, hey guys, let's chop chop. Okay, we're 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 almost at the five minute mark to get all this done. I have a tea time. Let's just finish this shit now. And boom, done.
1: I agree with you.
0: Just done. Because these this is going to be one of the most disgusting fucking.
1: Well, because, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're not going to win their appeals. Exactly. Why
0: waste all yeah, the because there's money.
1: so much actual physical evidence to prove they did it because of the pictures Not and the audio that. tape. Their and... own
0: fucking talk. Oh, yeah. Talking about it. Like it's nothing. Yeah. like As easily as I would say something like, hey, can you, you know, pass me the water? Right. You know, it's just. Fuck.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a little Oregon tide next month. Next week. But yeah, it's pretty good. Well,
0: fucking pieces of shit. Man. I know. I really am hoping that they did get the needle or something to end their lives. That is what I'm hoping the outcome is going to be.
1: Like Maughan. Like he morning. did end up getting...
0: Yeah, he was the first one to He was die. the first
1: one in Washington that got the um, no, lethal in injection. Uh, California. that's what I meant, with lethal injection. Yep. You're right.
0: Him and, uh, and his buddy mm-hmm. burning in the back butts.
1: Burning in the back butts. I'm uh-huh. going to be featuring in a couple weeks, like probably within a month or so, some guy in Washington that was the last one in Washington to be hanged.
0: We need to hang more people.
1: I agree. I'm
0: just saying. All right. So let's see. What, what do we got to talk about here at the end? Um, number one, our 100th episode's coming up.
1: That's right. 100th episode. Per- very personal episode. By personal the
0: way. episode because uh, Tammy the Sasquatch Underwood knew the dude.
1: Knew him personally. <laughs>
0: personally. Maybe, maybe even had sex with him. I don't know. Um, no,
1: no, but I will say, I wish I could find the letters. He did write me some smut letters. Sweet. I wish I could find them, but they're in my garage somewhere.
0: I can't masturbate to that. No, I'm just kidding. I can't. Yeah. I know
1: you guys can say you can masturbate to anything, Scott. So I
0: have, I have two uh, memes on my uh, on my phone that I love sending out. It's from South Park, and it has uh, Stan. I think it's Stan's dad. Yeah, they're going. I can't masturbate to this. The next one says, "Just kidding." It has jizz. I know you
1: have sent that to me like multiple <laughs> times, like more than one. once.
0: Oh, it's like you're fuck. they're
1: your go-to. Are they in a special folder? They are, <laughs> but no, yeah, I knew him personally. Um, not that I was a potential victim. I will make that clear. So it's not like I narrowly escaped death.
0: But she was seriously a potential, uh, you know, fucking
1: yeah. He sex did partner. write me some. No, he did write me some smut later. But um, yeah, he um, like I said, it was very bizarre how I met him and my interactions with him. Cool. But. Um, I don't talk about it much and it really, I had it, I'm having to dig deep to talk about it next week, but yeah.
0: No, I dig. Yeah. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at Brittle Nation. Hey, oh, wait. Oh, what?
1: You forgot to mention, that's also when we're going to launch our Patreon. Oh,
0: yeah. We're going to be launching Patreon. That way there we can get, you know, you guys can help yes. us out. get special episodes and swag. And-
1: right. We will have a link to our Patreon account, our Patreon page with... You know, the different levels and everything. And there's actually going to be a bonus level in there. Because remember, you and I talked about it. We decided that we're going to have a got bonus, a bonus level. superior, like a level um, where the donors for that can actually, we will fly them out and, you know, record episodes and take on a little tour around here. So, yeah,
0: we can do that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, we're working with, uh, we're looking at different vendors. We're going to be having swag for, for sale. And then, totally. Of course, totally. Uh, Due to Patreon where you're also gonna be giving away swag. There's there's all kinds of yeah. good shit that's we can be coming up here pretty quick. Yeah, quick and quick.
1: Patreon members will be able to get discount codes and you know, regular discount codes and shit, yeah.
0: And even sexy pictures of me.
1: I know. No I like dude, those too. that is not happening. And we're also gonna Scott's talk me into it. We're gonna start videoing our episodes and our
0: yeah, so there's a bunch members of... will
1: have a, access to a lot of stuff.
0: So get your friends on board now. Now because yeah. Good shits are coming. Yeah. All right. Be
1: one of the first ones in.
0: (laughs) Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at TwistedBlueLLC.com. And Amazon's having early Black Friday sales. Click on that Amazon link. It helps out the show. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Check out the blogs. We're featured on uh, Medium, Crime Beat that's on Medium, uh, what are the other two? Hub pages, vocal media. We get picked up by a lot of yeah. perfug- other services for a few- True that further distribution because I can't fucking talk.
1: <laughs>
0: Christ, this episode just fucked me up, man.
1: It kind of did. Yeah. We're like going to have to take a break and have something to eat because I'm oh, just
0: dang. I'm going to fucking get high or something. Um, yeah. I'm going to get
1: high with a little help from my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Sorry.
0: All right. Well. All uh, this shows copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And we will talk to you guys. Come on,
1: bye. <laughs>